magari. Oggi parlo solamente in italiano per te, o se questa... non lo so, non so sarebbe una conversazione un po' difficile, un po' strano, un po' semplice. <ride> Assolutamente, perché... perché non so. Perché il mio italiano è molto limitato. Eh? Eccomi! Dove sei? Dove sei? Lì? Dove sei? This is a podcast in which two friends have serious conversations about silly things and silly conversations about serious things. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlifing. Hello. 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 <laughs> I like that. I like the very resonant. Hello. I can't even do it. I'm trying to be um, a foghorn. Hello. Oh, nice. If you, um, if I were to say the words to you, sweet Caroline, what would you do next? Bum, bum, <laughs> bum. <laughs> uh, different neighbors had a different party last night. Oh. Yeah, that so one, instead that of having really the sticks. shallows, so, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, there was no, um, there was I, no Lady Gaga. I, Lady Gaga. There was. Um, it seemed like these people were older than the previous. They were playing an unfathomable quantity of Michael Jackson. Don't they realize? Yeah, it is tricky because, mm, yeah. Well, maybe it was really the Jackson 5. No, I don't know what to say about that one either. I think we've kind of touched on that before as well, haven't we? Which is, you know... Yeah. Does his music somehow become... Um, Does it transcend his crimes? Oh. And are they, are they crimes if he's not been... Convicted. Convicted. It's like Rosemary's Baby. Can you watch Rosemary's Baby? Knowing that Roman Polanski is... Oh. What does it do to the film? Mm, it's a tricky one. It's a very tricky one. I think if I were to... Uh, Oh, it's funny. My, I, I tend to think uh, that art of any kind is always compromised by the people who make it. So I'm quite happy to, to, to put on Michael Jackson, um, Black or White. Was it Black or White? Was that a song he made? Uh, yeah, yes, it is. It is a song he made. Not to be confused with Ebony and Ivory. Oh, that, is that also, that was, um, oh, no, that's Stevie. That's Stevie Wonder and, and Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney knew how to do a duet, didn't he? No, Paul McCartney is <laughs> fucking awful. Please don't make me go into how much I hate all the Beatles in their solo and group endeavours. Do you um do you do you have a kind of a hierarchy of Beatles? Um... Yeah, John is at the top of being the biggest arsehole. Is he? Yeah, George is at the bottom of being not that much of an arsehole, really. And then how do you Ringo, split Ringo and Paul? Ringo next. Then there's quite a big gap, and then Paul. <laughs> Because Ringo did Thomas the Tank Engine, which, you know, get, buys him out. Um, <laughs> but not, not doesn't get him below George. No, because George was just the youngest and the prettiest. And the yeah. I think there's a Hamilton line in there as well. Something and the prettiest and the something New York Cityest. There we go. New York Cityest. I think I remembered that line. I watched the Hamilton. 
Did you? Did you watch it live or did you watch it on the television? I watched it on, well, on my iPad. I, mean, <laughs> yes, I guess you, you could call you it a television, it. yes. Um, I call everything a television. Yes, a screen. Or did you watch it live or on a screen? Um, although <laughs> that distinction doesn't really... Uh, doesn't really work no. these days, does it? No, absolutely. I've seen quite a lot of live material through a screen. On screen, yes. Um, I watched it on a screen, not live, and it was really long, Lee. And yeah, it was. I, Still is. Musicals, um, I really liked it, but I was a little bit unsure about what the fuss was. And also, it just it's just that whole breaking into song thing. <laughs> I just... I yeah. I don't. I just. I go. What, what are they doing now? Why are they singing now? Um, I really like the dancing though. I told you that I sent Bob to go and see a musical once, didn't I? What do you mean you sent her? We were writing a chapter for a book on representations of gender in theatre. Because gender is represented in theatre, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I would argue it's like kind of represented all over the shop, but it's definitely <laughs> represented in theatre. In the discussion of, in the discussion of what we might write about, um, we often start with titles rather than topics, if that makes sense. So we'll try and come up with a like a, a good title to work towards. Really? Um, yeah. That, yeah. That sort of that that, that provides f- focus. It provides us a starting point to work out where we might go from. So we will just pitch titles to each other oh. and then go oh do we like that mm, i'm not sure that doesn't i can't really i can't really imagine myself writing into that that title so i had pitched a title uh that was i think it was does anybody wear a hat colon the happy ever after in musical theater at some point in the past i just uh i just appreciate the essential use of the colon there yeah I mean, it's not, a, it's all not an academic... <laughs> Do all the titles have colons in them? No, no. But this one did. But it, if you don't have a colon, is it? have you even written a chapter? We, it's true, isn't it? We should have, ours should have been midlife in colon, subject normal. Or project <laughs> still, normal. That, that's, that's what we call the book. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes, uh, go to patreon.com slash midlifing the book. Uh, you can um, support our endeavours to um, write a book. We're going we're gonna to launch a Kickstarter campaign soon. Um, <laughs> if you want to chip in, I don't know, £75. Yes, yes, please do. And uh, then you we can won't spend it on the book. I'll read us on shoes. the page as well. <laughs> Oh, there isn't uh, anything obnoxious about that. Please, please continue with your um, colon. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) with my colon. Um, So, yeah, so I I had pitched this this um, this chapter this this title to Bob. Does anyone does anyone still wear a hat? Which is from a song called "Ladies Who Lunch." from a Stephen Sondheim musical company. It has that Sondheim kind of ring to it, doesn't it? Yeah, so the song is, here's to the ladies who lunch, everybody laugh. Something, then there's a line that, that goes, uh, wearing a hat, and then there's a spoken bit. Does anybody still wear a hat? When was Sondheim writing that about? That would have been in the late 1960s. Right. Um, it does remind me of a, um, a choreographer. Actually, this will come up later maybe, but a choreographer I worked with um, uh, was all very was very big on um, people, uh, um, you know, giving ideas. And yeah. uh, 
This person once said, after some ideas were, you know, sort of thrown in, you know, not only conceptual ideas, but also physical ideas. Um, great. Okay, oh, that's great. Wait, 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 yeah. wait. I just need to check. So when a, a physical idea is offered, does that mean somebody does a little dance? Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh. Like, you know, like, here's a little, um, here's a little yeah, number, yeah. a little maneuver, like with a hat. <laughs> right, gotcha. With the top, with the top hat. <laughs> How very fussy. And um, said, uh, okay, great, great, great. Um, that's great. Um, Shall we cut it now or later? <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you weren't sure who the boss was. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I hate it as well. But yes, it's it's lovable and hateable and lovable. Yeah, yeah, it's it's equal parts delightful and obnoxious. Yes, I guess if I was in the room, I might have a a different perspective on which side of that equation I land. Yes, and I think it would also depend on what's gone on before and after. <laughs> and was it my manoeuvre? <laughs> Indeed, your manoeuvre, your Valsalva manoeuvre. <laughs> so. I had pitched this title for quite a long time ago because Bob had looked at me and went, what do we know about musicals? And I said, nothing, nothing at all. She went, that might be reason never to write that. (laughs) But we were then asked to to write a chapter for a book. And I I just pitched that to the the editor and I went, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. And I told Bob, and she was like, why the fucking hell did you pitch something? Anyway, we never ended up writing about happy ever afters or uh, company. Or, or hats. Or hats. Hats did not come up. We ended up writing about girlhood in the adaptation of the film Heathers, which became Heathers the Musical, which is about to re-emerge onto the West End stage. Oh, yes. But I hadn't sent her to see Heathers. I'd sent her to see Waitress because I thought we were going to be writing about both things. And she got maybe... Five minutes into the musical. Uh, hang on, this is physically present. This is physically. She was physically present because I. Where was it in Plymouth? Was, was it on in Plymouth? No, God, no, no. She was in London doing some work. She went to the big smoke. Well, she was already oh, there. She was here, so yeah. what I did was I went to. I went on to. Oh, no, this is one of those one of those sentences that I will really struggle to say. I went on to today ticks. There's a lot of T's there. Wow, but also did thanks you? for your training. You got them all out there beautifully. <sighs> I had to pause, though, and I had to breathe, and I had to power through. With the tip of the like, tongue, the... <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing vocal exercises. But breathing in and powering through is something that I think we can all learn from. <laughs> <laughs> and breathe in uh, and uh, power through. Exactly. Nice. So, that's what you should have uh, done last night title. listening to... <laughs> listening to, uh, <laughs> to, to Neil Diamond. Breathe in and power through. Yes, it was. Oh, anyway, please. Yeah, so I said. Um, she got five I minutes. Sent her a text. She got well. She got a. Te- I think probably it's because she wasn't prepared because she got a text during her work day, and I said, um, "I've got tickets. To- I've bought you tickets to see waitress. Uh, can you move your train ticket? Back? Did you say tax an- deductible tickets? <laughs> oh, they were so cheap because they were bought on the day." Right. I think it was like twelve quid, and she was on the front row. Wow! She was not happy. She wasn't. Happy. That's a lot of saliva. Exactly. Especially that. pre-COVID. I mean, now it was, all different. It was pre- all yeah, different. exactly. Yeah. Pre-COVID, people just gob on you. Oh, have I ever told you about the time that Akram Khan sweated into my mouth? <laughs> 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 
No, but um, I can't. Save... I just can't wait to hear. I'll save it for later. Yeah. So. There she is on the front row watching this and she became one of those people who got her phone out in a show and just texted and said, they won't stop singing. singing. But she knew. She just wasn't prepared. I think she knows how musicals work because she's a very intelligent, very well-read, very thoughtful woman. But However, the reality the experience of being in a room with lots of people around her who were very excited... And and a, and a kind of stage full of people yeah. sing yelling eight times a week. It. Oh yeah, everyone it loves to mark a matinee. Exactly that. So she was she found it quite overwhelming. Yeah, but this is not what we're talking about today. You have a topic, or at least you oh. you, you wanted to tell me something. I did my homework. Oh my god! Yeah, did you? I did. <sighs> so tell me what happened when you did your homework. Are you okay? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> just as just in case actually i was having a conversation with a friend yesterday who was um talking about this podcast and um we laughed about the idea of someone coming new to it and what on earth would be going on for them if they came new yeah. to it because it, in effect it's like a series i guess it is it's, isn't it? it's it's much more the wire than it is um i don't know the bill thank you that's okay nice <laughs> comparison. i love that those two shows they will often be compa- compared haven't they well, they're both police procedural. How different could they be? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was thinking of like I Dream of Genie, so I just wasn't quite sure. <laughs> it's funny where you go, isn't it? So yeah, for those of you, for those um, many twos of you who are um, new listeners, Lee sent me some homework some time ago, and that homework was to watch the not the original, the remake of Suspiria. Right? That's right. Yes, the original is the Dario Gento 1977 Seven? classic, uh, which is a, a, an Italian giallo, which I actually said that wrong. I said that with an, a Portuguese accent. Giallo. So you say giallo. giallo. Yeah, okay. it's yellow. Yes, and they're called yellow. They're called giallo because they were often based upon pulp detective novels, um, which were printed in either on yellow paper or with yellow covers. I can't quite remember. I, I, I was thinking it was yellow covers, but yes, I think yeah. you, I, th- I, I can't remember. I remember I learned ages ago. And I... Yeah, yeah. And, and this genre of film emerged out of the back. And then it takes on its own tone because they, they're quite sort of Dashiell Hammett, hard-boiled detectives to begin with. But the films become sort of borderline supernatural horror. Yes. Well, the, you, we would not. Yes, it's, it has no relationship really to a detective. Um, no, it is, no, no, it's not, just, not it's supernatural horror really, isn't it? Yeah, it is really, yeah. Yes, this is, uh, so 2000, what was it, 18? Luca Guardagnino as uh, the director. And I see a bit of Tom York. Yes, a quite your a old friend. Tom York. Your old friend. <laughs> my, my, good, my good whistling buddy, Tom York. So um, I was pretty nervous, like, a little bit sweaty, nervous, and I have to tell you, I decided mm. to watch it as I think you might have known, but uh, listeners in, might not. In, in the, the middle of the day, <laughs> and not only was it the middle of the day, it was eight a.m. <laughs> as far away from going to sleep as I could possibly make it. <laughs> Good plan. I'm such a scaredy cat. I also watched it just with one uh, headphone in. Oh, that is such an interesting strategy. Because, of course, sound is just so fundamental to all films, particularly horror films. And particularly this horror film. It is amazing. The sound is amazing. The sonic landscape. I mean, the fact that this wasn't nominated for an Oscar for sound is, is strikes me as 
one of the biggest misadventures in the Academy's long and storied career of missing opportunities to validate people. So good idea. But yeah, because I knew that having outside noise would um, help keep my heart rate down. Mm. Um, Not much, though. And the other thing I did, and the other thing I did was to watch in relatively. I couldn't complete it. No, I had to stop. It's in acts, so that's quite handy for you, isn't it? I didn't it? choose acts. I just went. Oh, oh I didn't. need to stop now. This is too much. I'm stepping away. <laughs> and the, the best part, I mean, there are so there are lots. Of, I took lots of notes, by the way. Oh wow! Yeah, like, I did homework. I did homework. I'm giddy. By one thirty, I still hadn't finished it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a two and a half hour film. I was going to say it's a long film, but it ain't that long. <laughs> but uh, at one thirty, I had a uh, an Italian lesson, and um, oh. I was telling my Italian teacher about the fact that I'd started watching this film, and that these films more or less scare the shit out of me. And she told me in a fantastic phrase, uh, which is um, "Mi cago sotto," which is "Me, I shit under," <laughs> <laughs> which is how they'd say it. Which I, I love that. Yeah, so like if I said uh, mi sono cagato, it's like I, I shit myself. But they add the word sotto, under. So they don't have, you know, I, sh- like, I mean, it's the equivalent of, you know, I shat my pants, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I was um, I'm very happy to have um, extended my Italian vocabulary as a result of watching Suspiria. <laughs> hard to get away from, um, hard to get away from Tilda. She she's, does play three roles, but she's everywhere as well. Yeah, well, well, not in the film. She... I mean, she's, she, she's a lot of films I see. Tilda Swinton. Oh, I see. You mean in general, it's yeah. hard to get away from Tilda, not in this that, particular film slightly... where she plays three roles. No, that's right. But I'm a little. Oh, also, spoilers. They're gonna. There's probably gonna be spoilers here, isn't there? Oh, there's definitely gonna be spoilers. Yeah, yeah. So, spoiler alert. Um, yeah, Tilda Swinton's in this film, and. Um, <laughs> She, it's just that it's just that slightly. I find it it's so funny, isn't it? Well, uh, an actor who I've watched so many of her films and so takes so much pleasure in watching so many of her films, but there's something where the it's it's like the acting starts to feel as if because she plays so many characters which are always just slightly you know sli- yeah. slightly odd, off center, off center. Yeah. Thank you. And so it almost feels like she's dialing in the off centeredness. Oh, I see. And I don't think she is, or of course, but um, it's just that I, it gets in the way for me. So it starts to become a bit it's like it's mannered off-centeredness. And also, of course, I mean, the, the thing that, you're, that you won't have experienced, which is the, probably the main thing, which just gets in the way totally, is, is seeing dancers rehearsing and then the things that are being said to them and the way in which they're acting meaning that the actors not the dancers because these are all for the most part are almost all dancers yes that the actors they just it's just not right yeah right and of course why would it be like it's not yeah. you know it's a little bit like i um if i'm walking past some tennis courts i don't i can just see someone walking on the tennis court and have a pretty good idea of how good they are they don't even have to be in fact just by how they're carrying their racket, I can have a pretty good feel for how good they are. I was interested in your perspective of this as a dance film because it's effectively a 20-minute dance film in a two-and-a-half-hour-long sort of exegesis on... Guilt and shame. Guilt, shame, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I actually thought it was a fantastic film, by the way. I really did. Oh, I'm so glad you like it. Oh, I just because... thought, as a, as a kind of an exposition of German guilt, post-war mm-hmm. German guilt... And mm-hmm. and there's some 
aspects of uh, just uh, what's the the, the 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 person, of course, who I you know pretty much the only man in the film is the this elderly Do- man, Doctor Clemperer. Yeah, Doctor Clemperer, who's exactly. the who's the psychiatrist. Yeah. yeah, and I so identified with him. But there's that amazing scene towards the end where he's just saying, "I am innocent." I am innocent. He's just repeating it over and over again. And it's just so, it is so, so powerful. Mm, mm. It's, it is a masterclass in how to remake a film and still have a connection to the source material, but be in no way, shape or form retreading the same ground. Is, it, is that You're right? Not, oh, is the first well, film for, not about German guilt and shame? No, the first film is is set in Berlin in 1977 because it was made in 1977. So that's just an accident of the moment. <laughs> but they make but this, yeah. Yeah, but the Dario Argento film is, is all primary colours. It's reds and blues and greens. It's saturated. It's absolutely beautiful again to look at. It again has an amazing score by a, ba- a band called uh, Goblins. Ding 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 ding. Is that the score from the film, or is that the score? That's that's the score from the film. It's much more, I guess, a traditional synth-led 1970s horror vibe. It's really good. It's an ex. I mean, if anybody's scared of horror films but quite likes listening to things, go and listen to the original soundtrack. Um, of Suspiria. It's one of the best. You know, the original one is, like I say, all primary colours, and this one is all greys oh, and beiges, so, and it's, it's very muted. Post, it's post-war Berlin, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though it's mm-hmm. 30 years afterward. It's... Yeah. The, um, the the remake is set in, in kind of, uh, effectively, Tilda Swinton plays a version of Pina Bausch. She does, and, and of course the dancing has, it's strongly modernist in a way, even that Pina Bausch's work wasn't, but it's mm. very symmetrical and very angsty. It's, um, it's in German, would it be Ausdruckdance, or, which is, you know, expressionism, really. And yeah. It has this kind of, you know, I was so reminded of so many kind of classic modernist pieces, but also um, Anna Teresa de Kersmaker, this, you know, repetition of women kind of half self-flagellating and dropping mm. on their knees and, you know, in a mm. kind of mechanical way. Damien Jallet is the choreographer That's and correct, yeah. he, he kind of restages one of his own works, kind of, right, right down to the costuming. It's also the other thing about it is that I've just worn too many costumes that are just a little bit like that. <laughs> I re- that's the thing about it. It's just also so much of it's so close to the bone. You know, the, the idea of um, dancing and dancing until you're kind of lost and yeah. all sorts of things which are... And, yeah. you know, there's a moment where there's the... Um, Sarah is the, um, the friend of the main dancer girl, Susie. And yes, that's one way of understanding her, or you could think of her as the main protagonist because she is the person on whom all of the weight rests up until there's a pivotal moment in the plot where it doesn't. So, exactly. Because this whole thing is about passing power from woman to woman and then what happens when the women are rejected when they're not quite fit for purpose. Yes, there's a, there's a moment where she's talking to the, um, the psychiatrist uh, in a cafe and she says, it's a dance company, we're not talking about anything else, which I just thought was hilarious because that's part of <laughs> That's part of the thing, which is, you know, it's partly why I shared that story about the choreographer at yeah. the beginning, which is um, dance companies and those kind. It's all a little bit strange. Yeah. So it, it it's it's obviously a complete stretch what's going on here, but not so much of a stretch that I don't see the relationship uh, psychologically with what goes on in dance studios and what is happening in this film. 
Yeah, and that's why that's why it's so far away from the first one because the first one is like it's set in a ballet academy. Yeah, and it was written by um, Dario Argento's wife, Daria Nicolodi. Although I'm not sure she's credited for it, but she did write the story, um, and <laughs> she imagined it as being um, a kids' film, effectively. So she wrote it with like eleven and twelve year olds in mind in a in a ballet school, which is why there's a like there's a line in the original where um girls whose names begin with S are really snakes. And then Susie sticks her tongue out and you're kinda of going, These are twenty five year old women. Why the fucking hell are they behaving like yeah, nine right. year olds? So it's got some of that left over. It's very much a kid's film on adult bodies with horror. It's it's a weird mix, yeah. but it's maybe got sort of five minutes worth of dancing in it. Right. If well, that, this is, you're right. This is, this is really so much about dancing and, and what happens to our bodies and in our bodies yeah. and the expression of ourselves through, through our bodies. And yeah, de- definitely. I was watching it as somebody who has been, and I'm going to use that word again, dance adjacent for 20 odd years. Yeah. But I'm not a dancer. But I've worked alongside dancers. And so for me... Because I've never been in a dance company, but I've watched dancers make work. I've been in a room while dancers make work. Yeah. But I've I've not it's not my body has never been implicated in, in those narratives. So I'm always a witness. I'm never a participant in that mm. way. And it has this really interesting semi resonance for me that I'm going, Oh, this feels sort of familiar, but yeah. I wonder what it feels like in, in the body of somebody who's really, really engaged with it. Oh, I'm glad you watched it. Oh, I'm really glad I watched it too, although you know, it was it's pretty painful. It's just not, I just don't like that feeling. It's so interesting, isn't it? It's like a like I, sometimes I feel it's like it's a failure of my imagination. Um I don't mean that in a really I don't mean I'm kind of whipping myself about it, but like when I think of that kind of film and I just think, oh, it just it brings me so little pleasure while it's I happening. don't think it's a failure of imagination at all. I think it's quite the opposite. Oh, that's interesting. Because of the feeling that is generated. like Yeah, yeah it becomes real. I would just like to say I was wrong when I said I hadn't been at it this week. I was I actually got a direct message on Instagram that said and I almost I want to find my phone so I can directly quote so uh, please bear with me a moment I'm going to directly quote I hope it's something about mozzarella sticks please it says Verve Clicquot and mozzarella sticks is an outstanding pairing outstanding is written in big capital letters there are two claps and there's a smiley face <laughs> And that, that is feedback. That is feedback from, I will have you know, from a professional, a professional cocktail maker who works in quite, quite a high level within the hospitality industry. He is very, very capable at telling you what you shouldn't and shouldn't drink your wines with. I think he's being ironic. <laughs> 